0: Hi folks and welcome to episode 27 of the three good podcast. This morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning Meg. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Just recovering from a sneezing fit, but I'm ready.
0: Okay, good. So uh, folks, that was that's my first guest on today's uh, episode, Meg Pepin, and our other guest on today's show is Sarah Boyd. Hi Sarah. M- morning. How are you?
2: I'm good, thank you. Good. No no sneezing fit yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and on today's episode, I've invited Megan and Sarah on Because um, I've heard a fair bit about, um, in the network that I'm part of About a topic called the thinking environment There's a book called Time to Think by a lady called Nancy Klein And I've heard very good things about it I hear a lot of good advocacy around it And uh, not just from uh, Sarah and Megan on the call But also others from the network as well and from what I have experienced with um, the, um, the methodology and what I think I understand about the um, approaches that surround it, it's, it really does intrigue me because it, it feels like it's a, um, uh, a, a very modern um, set of thinking around uh, how, we can, how we can talk to each other, I suppose, Which is a really odd thing to think about because we've been talking to each other for many, many centuries, and it would be—it kind of seems odd to think that we need a a better way to have to do that kind of thing of a conversation. So I guess that's one starting point. Um, And then beyond that, there's there's interesting stuff here about, um, I think, about how. I'm going to distill it down. And this is probably a really unfair distillation. But um, it's the quality of a person's thinking which matters. Uh, so I've given some kind of intro there. Um, I don't know if that's a fair introduction, Meg, Sarah. Happy for either of you to jump in around that.
1: So, so Sarah, do you want, should I, should I say something? Yeah, I go for it. Yeah, I think, I think what you said there is You know, the crux of Nancy's work is, I guess, a very simple premise that the quality of everything we do is shaped by the quality of the thinking we do first. Hmm. Uh, And I've worked with so many different people with this, and I I think it's it's quite a, you know, it's it's universal human wisdom. It makes sense that if we can think well, We're probably going to do things better, so and you can apply that to multiple daily decisions that we all have to wait to make in terms of I don't know travel arrangements and booking stuff. And I've got I've got two days work this week, which uh, didn't really pay attention to where they both were and find I have a very difficult journey, (laughs) Uh, and that's because I booked all of my tickets in a rush. That's at its most simple example of quality thinking. But if we're making decisions about us, I suppose, about strategy, about how we're going to spend budgetary money, about a difficult, challenging, complex relationship or conversation. Um, I, I guess there's probably an agreement that if we if we jump in, we're probably going to maybe not, not give as much attention to all of our options. But I think, I'll hand over to Sarah in a minute to say something, but I, I think, that it's, it's so much more than that. I think we are so buried and um, bombarded by other people's thinking in so many different ways that there is something about this work which is learning to think for ourselves. And I think at the core, at the heart, is becoming an independent thinker. So, really, truly really thinking for ourselves.
0: Mm.
1: So I'm going to pause there and say, Sarah, where where does that, is there anything for you that comes to mind?
2: I totally agree with everything uh, you've said, and I'm on my kind of very beginning of my thinking journey. Um, So it's only really been in the last year that I've been involved in this stuff, but I have been on every single course in that year. (laughs) So I've just uh, voraciously kind of found it and and consumed it. and I think I think Meg's right. I think we the whole way our society is set up um, mm. from education through to workplaces doesn't teach us to think as independent thinkers. It teaches mm. us to think in the style of the education system or the workplace that we're in. Um, and so for me, when I found um, via Meg actually um, the thinking environment, it was just um, really eye-opening and such a relief that there was a kind of way of doing good thinking because mm-hmm. um, I'd never considered the quality of my thinking so learning about that was kind of brilliant for me um and a shock at the same time as just the realization of how poorly um we do think uh, and how um how much I can't think of the right word like how, we but we don't value it enough. We've mm-hmm. forgotten to value good thinking. Uh, and I can't remember who I saw. It might be somebody on my course was saying we get kind of in our jobs, we get paid to think really like, what do we think about this and how do we make it happen? But we don't allow ourselves any time to do the thinking part. Um, so I think, <laughs> I think um, one of my favorite things about it is that it's simple and it's complex, and it's kind of got loads of, um, what's the word, what's the word, Meg? It's constantly got those. Um, Multifaceted. <laughs> yeah, or, um, oh, it'll come to me, but it, sorry, it's partly my pregnancy brain, um, <laughs> but that, yeah, that it's got these kind of dichotomies, that it is, it's, it feels really complex the need to do how we would do good thinking, but at the same time it's really, really simple.
1: Mm. Can I add on something to that, Sarah? Please do. Uh, I was just was thinking, I did um I was I did I did an introduction to the thinking environment at the coaching conversation a couple of years ago and people really loved it and I was invited back, which was great. Uh, and and I, I called it humans, we're bigger on the inside And I think it speaks to your point, Sarah, about the simplicity uh, of the thinking environment. And yet uh, it is like anything that is simple. It is, uh, I think Nancy herself said, it's the far side of complexity. And so I think this sort of notion that we're bigger on the inside is that if we start to begin to think for ourselves, I, and I'm, I'm sure that the neuroscientists, if they were go- going to track my own brain activity, would see something happening in the brain. But once you are able to be, to really begin thinking for yourself, uh, then it opens up it opens up another world in a way. So Suk, where does that take you? What what questions does that you or
0: thoughts yeah it's uh, and I'm making notes as as you both are talking because it helps me to track um, the, the many different things that I, I want to try and make sure I am catching in a fair way and also want to be able to ask more about as well um, so I have some kind of kind of uh, some foundational questions around um, how did you come by it what about it um, and you've already started talking about why you're attracted to it as an as an approach um, but then I have other questions like you so some of the language you're using around um, and I say you um, and, I, and I think um, Meg you've described this as begin thinking for yourself um, and Sarah you've said how poorly we think and so there's different uh, and, and maybe they're different things and maybe they overlap as well in different in, in other ways is um, so it's a question around we, so we already do do thinking for ourselves. So what does the thinking environment stuff allow for, which we're not currently doing well enough? I'm happy for either so, of you to take that.
1: So Meg here. I think I think one way of looking at that is is how we typically think is through an exchange so, I mean, you and I have had many chats pondering over life and different things over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you know, and I might say, oh, this is going on for me, or it, it might be family, it might be work, it might be just a life question. And we exchange our thinking and our ideas, and I think that's that's wonderful, and that's and we live largely in that space. I think where this where this is, I mean, I. I I, it's taken me many years to really work it all out for myself, and I'll, I'll answer your question at some other point about what drew me to it. Yeah. But I think when, we, when we're thinking independently, we're not, and we don't really do very much of this, we do not have another person's thoughts coming into, into play. So let's say you and I have a thinking partnership, which is one of the ways that the, the thinking environment works, you will have some dedicated time to thinking, and so will I, and we will both be the thinker and the thinking partner. And when I'm your thinking partner, my promise to you is I won't interrupt you. And that actually requires quite a lot of courage to not interrupt you. And I don't mean interrupt in in terms of the, the cut through in the middle of your speech, although there is that element. But I won't interrupt you by, in a way, interacting with your content. So my focus will be on giving you a quality of attention that will allow you to generate new thinking. And really, that's, that has been my inquiry uh, over the last five years, is to explore what that really means. And it is both very simple. And uh, and it's actually quite challenging. It takes a huge amount of courage. Uh, you know, I've got various various coaches, for example, uh, that will say to me, now, Meg, I really want to know what you think. Mm. Uh, and I know that they do really want to know what I think. And it's like, oh, how, and I think a lot of thoughts. I think, how lovely. I could tell them all the things I think. <laughs> But, you know, when I ask them, uh, if the singular purpose for me is to keep, and and this is a contract with them, but if the singular purpose between us is to keep them on a roll of their own thinking, uh, then uh, I will will offer encouragement for them to keep thinking for themselves. And it's astonishing. Uh, I remember the second practice I did with somebody, uh, somebody I've coached on and off for about 10 years, and I said, I'm doing this thing, and we... Let's take twenty minutes for you just to think for yourself without any of my thinking, um, and uh, and she just she just rolled to where she needed to get to. So, it, so I, I'm trying to remember what the question was that you asked me, Because I feel like I was answering it, but I can't remember the question. What was the question you
0: asked me? So you you, you were doing really well there, and I am. Um, so the question oh, well, was, thank you. Oh, yeah, you were, and then the question was around. Uh, why why does this methodology take us to somewhere else when we already do thinking on a regular basis?
1: So so that's so I so I think what I wanted to say was what we do with our thinking a lot. Somebody said to me quite recently that they do a lot of their thinking with a friend that they go walking with and I, I do that too. I've got a friend who we go for long walks and we, we it really allows us to connect to our thoughts and it's amazing. But at the same time we are still in relationship building our you know, so one of us might I offer a hypothesis, or you said that before in your life, or something like that. Uh, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you take exchange thinking into into what a family or corporate lives, that there, there will be there's a relationship when we're when we're with anybody. so and and we might have stakes with that person. It might be that we really want to please them. It might be we' we'll want to please everybody because we're a people pleaser. It might be that they're our boss. and therefore, I think, regardless of the relationship people have with their bosses, we want to please them. We want them to know that we're doing really well. Uh, if it, it might be a um, uh, a peer with whom you have feel a mild sense of competition. I mean, people can really like each other, but there are a lot of stakes in the relationship. And when we're in an exchange thinking situation, it's very likely that we're there are some stakes for us in something. Uh, and so that will get in the way of thinking. So let's say, for example, it's a you know a great friend uh, who, you, who you are really honest with, but they're your friends. You want them to feel loved. Mm. So that in some way, and it may, not, it may or may not be conscious, uh, will influence the exchange that you have. Whereas if you are in an independent thinking, and what has been agreed with you is that you won't offer your own thinking unless they really feel that they need your thinking to keep them thinking. And most of us don't need that very much. Once we learn how to think for ourselves, what we need from another person is their attention. So in a way, I don't know what your experience is, Sarah, but for me, in fact, I did, I did my first course in Nancy in 2014. And I'm just, I'm just in the final stages of my teacher training. Uh, and uh, and it was I was utterly fascinated by this uh, uh, and didn't, couldn't really make any sense of it at all, which is why the inquiry occurred
0: for me nice thank you meg sarah it'd be great to hear where any of that's taken you
2: yeah i think for me um i wouldn't have really understood this stuff until i experienced it so mm. um i had a conversation with meg where i was just a bit tired with kind of consulting um i found it drained my energy a lot when I was doing facilitation um, sessions or any work that involved kind of moving people towards an outcome. Um, and very much from the, the my background of kind of change and improvement, mm. had this problem solving approach to things. Um, and then I came across the thinking environment. And so I'd kind of consistently been conditioned to be the person that had some sort of way of finding a solution to the problem. Um, And then when I stepped into the kind of thinking environment, I remember doing one of my first thinking pairs, which is, as Meg explained, is where you sit and give attention. One person sits and gives um, a good quality of attention to the other person while they do their own thinking. And to watch that other person's thinking unfold and your kind of internal response stream is thinking about all of the things that you would be saying at that point and the solutions that you would be offering usually. Mm. But you've, you've stopped doing this exchange. You're just you're just listening to them and watching them go on their thinking journey and find a solution to whatever it is that they were thinking about themselves in whatever way that happened, which would be totally different into the way that my thinking around it would have happened, and watching their own light bulb moment of, actually, now I've thought about this, I understand it, and I know how to think about it, and I know what to do, that, for me, was just, like, the best experience ever, because I felt so liberated, because I didn't have to have the answer. And it was such a practical lived experience of actually people can have, they can do this themselves. And the only difference was we'd given time to do thinking without being interrupted. So myself and this lady could have had, as as Meg was describing, a, a really nice conversation about what she was trying to think about and what her problem was. And we could have exchanged loads of ideas. We had a very similar background. But the the things that we would have brought to that, what I would have said would have shaped her thinking Mm. um, in a way that then meant that she might never have got to the point she got to on her own doing her own thinking. So I think my point is it's quite hard to understand this stuff conceptually. Or I found it quite hard to understand this stuff conceptually until I went into it um, and experienced it. And then you kind of get the confidence and realised that you can do good thinking. So when that role was reversed I went through that process myself and was like, Oh, I thought I'd thought about this but actually having a couple of minutes to think about it compared to twenty minutes an hour is very different. Um and I went to different places and different things came up. Um and yeah, so for me it was I can't I haven't really given a very useful answer because my answer is it's 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 kind of useful to experience this stuff to understand it kind of conceptually Um, but I think from that experience what I'm saying is is that we think we do good thinking um, and we think we've given ourselves quite a good amount of thinking time but when you actually do this in a dedicated way and the attention of somebody else really makes a difference um, you learn all sorts of things about your quality of your thinking
0: you gave a you gave a great answer. You didn't not give a good answer. And uh, you know, part of this conversation today is to just help me kind of get a sense as to what this is about. And the experience that you've shared there is just as important as uh, any um, anything else that we're hearing so far. So no, I appreciate what you're sharing here, both you and Meg. It's really helpful. Um, so if I may, there's there's a couple of other questions that that get raised for me about. What you're describing here and I I think there's something to explore around Um, it so it sounds like that this is similar practice to coaching practice but it's different in that um, where with coaching we might ordinarily think we have to provide the solution because that's what as a coach you are either expected to do or think that's what your role is um, and very many arguments about what coaching is and is not um and also um, i'm also curious to know uh, from your own kind of thinking on this and or if there's been any discussion on um it, it also feels like that if i was to do proper meditation would that allow for or would that help me arrive at a similar level of stuff around this where you're saying that the the quality of the thinking matters and Um, And I I understand that there's a relationship with having a thinking partner um, And please forgive me if I'm using the wrong terminology But that the the pairing is important in that the attention of someone else Is important for that independent thinking to take place And I think that's why it's not the same as meditation So I might be answering my own question there, I don't know (laughs) Mm.
1: Quite a lot there
2: what, yeah
0: which, which what, was, what was the first part yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um the first part was um how does this different how does this differ to what we might ordinarily assume as coaching to be
1: shall i say something sarah yeah because go for it we, we seem to be ping-ponging between us so uh but i don't want to assume that it's always that way no so i think think environment is i mean at, at its heart i would say it's, I mean, there is a coaching training that you can do, but it is, it's about it's about a way of being really, you know, it's there's that, that Rogerian thing about or, or being a person. And I think if you are exploring the thinking environment, I mean, you can go on, you can go on one of many courses and experience giving and receiving amazing attention, think about independent thinking, and then I know some people take that way as a, as a toolkit, and I think, uh, and my own journey has to, is, is, continues to be, uh, to be a thinking environment. And to, and actually, Nancy's own mission is to make the world a thinking environment, uh, which I think is an amazing ambition, which means that we treat each other sort of so well that we can do our own thinking. And that means that we don't get into conflict. Uh, so I think. I think there's a there's a, a specific answer question maybe about coaching which I can I'll, I'll start with Shall I do that mm-hmm. about this so my own experience of the thinking environment was I think I, I probably read the book I mean I've I, I've got so many tatty versions of of Nancy's writing and. And I, I co-facilitated with a couple of people who, who both had been on uh, a foundation course. Uh, and I so I put that on my CPD for that year and when and something really quite amazing happened there. Uh, and in terms of somebody's ignition of transformational thinking because of the quality of attention that they received. And I had no idea what was happening. So that was I just carried on really. Uh, a bit different to you, Sarah. I know you've done the courses quickly. I, I sort of did one a year, uh, and uh, I've booked the teaching that I've that I've just finishing a couple of times and felt uh, I wasn't ready for it for various reasons. And my in my work as an AD consultant, uh, most of my work is consultancy, you know, designing some type of cultural, organizational effectiveness change. Uh, so that's consulting and 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 group bringing people in groups together to to have conversations. I never particularly wanted to do the one to one, although I loved that when I was a manager. But I trained to be a coach because occasionally I would get given one to one coaching work, and i I didn't really feel I didn't really feel particularly well equipped to do it. You know, it wasn't always effective. Sometimes I would go away thinking that wasn't quite right, and I had supervision for my consulting work and. So she pointed me in the direction of doing some training. And when I did my coach training, I had a huge, huge benefit from that because I felt I'd professionalised my practice and was much clearer, but it still didn't really work for me. And because I I didn't ever really feel I had all the clever questions that coaches seem to have. Uh, and so I would sort of feel quite inadequate when, when things got stuck. So there's a parallel process and so on that's going on. And then when I discovered the thinking environment, it, it it just worked for me. I would say, from an AD point of view, you know what's fundamental to your practice is that everybody's everybody's view and perspective is equally valuable. Uh, and, and Nancy has, has identified through her work that there are that you know we probably do our best thinking when we're treated really well, and there seem to be ten components. I mean. You know, I mean, it could it could end up being nine at some point. It could be more, but what what we think at the moment is that there seem to be ten components that lock together as a system to treat people sufficiently well that they will generate amazing thinking. And of course, at the heart of that is incredible quality of attention. Uh, and in the coaching uh, training, there are the, the singular purpose is for per, to keep a person on a roll of thinking for themselves. That is a contract. Not all coaches want it. I met somebody quite recently. I think it wasn't for them. Uh, uh, And so this is not a uh, a critique of coaching. It's it's a preferred way for me to bring into my coaching. But I think the thinking environment is quite different from coaching as I have experienced it. Uh, You know, know, where the the coach has some questions that they will ask to prompt more thinking uh, and may may well bring in a hypothesis uh, or an idea. And that doesn't never happen in the thinking environment. But if we're on the, pursuing the singular purpose of keeping somebody thinking for themselves, and that's what we've agreed, then then really uh, keeping them on a roll of thinking for themselves means that we draw from a very small set of questions. And um, most of the blocks that we have are based on some type of assumption that we hold us through, but but really is untrue. That blocks us. So, so often at the heart of people's blocks about why they feel uncertain about something is not feeling good enough or not feeling enough. Or there are a whole range of those types of experiences that are part of the human condition. And if we replace something like "I am not enough" with "I am good enough," then then it can liberate the mind to do more thinking. So, so, so actually, for me, it transformed coaching and, and. I have to talk to my coaches, but I think I think uh, all of my coaches now only know the thinking environment, so they they don't they know that they have thinking time, so they come prepared to think about something, and they know uh, that I will not interrupt them with my own thinking uh, unless they ask me to, and even then I will encourage them to keep thinking for themselves. So
0: that's really helpful.
1: So. Yeah, so I think it's, I think you know, I it's there's an application of the thinking environment which is around coaching, and it's it's quite different from my own experience, both of coaches and being coached myself, and from uh, my own coach training.
0: That's really helpful, thank you, Meg. I and mean, it's, um, um, yeah, go ahead, Sarah.
2: No, go on, you next.
0: No, one. no, go, go, go.
2: I was just gonna say, my um experience is very different in that. I've never trained as a coach and I've never been coached. Um, But I have now, I'm now on my kind of, um, I've done my thinking environment course and I'm going through the practicum for that. Um, But when I set out on my thinking environment journey, coaching wasn't something that was on my agenda to do or be. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd had some um, informal coaching, so uh, coaching from a coach, but kind of somebody that I, I knew rather than in a formal contractual paid way um and i never listened to their advice (laughs) i just never never listened um and when i have been through this think environment process i reflected on the sessions that probably worked the best for me and the most powerful question i think she could have asked me and that she did ask me was what do you think so one of the things that i've played with personally for years since since you took and I did our master's together, is whether or not to do a PhD. And I think it became a running joke that every session I would bring this kind of process and I'd either met another, uh, I'd been to meet the tutor or talk a bit more about whether or not it was something that I wanted to do. Um, and because it was an informal coaching session, in the end she said, you do not need any more qualifications, you don't need to worry about doing your PhD, like it was linked to confidence and all this sort of stuff. But I still went on spending a lot of time thinking about whether or not I wanted to do my PhD and kind of wasting time um, around it. And I think in one session, without realising it, she was just a bit exasperated. She was like, what do you really think about doing a PhD? And then she just sat back and just let me um, talk. And I talked to myself round and out of it. And then I didn't have to think about it anymore. But her p- constantly providing me that kind of, at first, very subtle guidance around it and then just towards the end being like, you don't need it, didn't help me because I hadn't arrived at that point myself. Mm. Um, and with, without without realising it, the bit that worked for me was the bit that she'd kind of taken some of the thinking environment. That's not her background, so she didn't know that's what she'd done, but that's the bit that worked for me. Um, and so when I went, It came to thinking environment and kind of went on the journey and looked at kind of coaching that really stood out for me. Um, And from a and again, from a selfish perspective, not having to have the answers for the coachee, um, I find really liberating. Um, Because same with my facilitation work, I I felt constantly like my value was in being able to provide a solution um, or move people forward. But actually what all I was doing is providing a scaffold based on my thinking about this stuff that meant that probably the outcomes that we wanted weren't happening because I was still not allowing the people to think for themselves and come up to the solutions themselves. So um, I'm new on my coaching journey. I'm going to do my practicum and decide whether or not it's something I want to do. I still don't know. Um, but for me, it's all the things that Meg was saying. It's about just having the space to allow other people to think through whatever they need to think through and the journey that takes them on themselves is far more powerful. Um, Because no one really listens to advice. (laughs) We pretend to, and we might take part of it, but I think think how how different the world would be if actually every time you were given a piece of advice or someone gave you a piece of advice, you actually acted on it. I mean, I can think of multiple times when friends have said don't go out with him or I've said don't go out with him but no one listens because that's not their own decision and they haven't had their own thought process around it and it's tight it can get really tiring for everyone involved Um, and I think the thinking environment kind of shifts that um, and allows kind of far more movement because people are thinking for themselves
0: nice this is um and this continues to um be a a really helpful piece for me um in just hearing your experiences both of you and the way you're describing what the methodology can allow for and how it there does seem to be a difference here between um what uh, i have experienced in terms of coaching practice and in terms of um kind of the normal um the piece that you picked up there Sarah about the facilitation and the the expectations of a facilitator to have to provide answers and I, I think as I've learned more over the years about how I how I believe that people can bring their best versions of themselves the more I think I've understood that part part of that means that we have to give the space and time for people to just do that thinking of um, independently um, for themselves and playing around with different structures to be able to help with that. So that's why I think I've been naturally drawn to other kind of OD techniques like open space and World Cafe because they genuinely allow for someone to have to um, be engaged in their own conversation that they want to have at their own pace as opposed to something that's driven by a like a lecturer or a um or a speaker or, or something like that um so yeah that's kind of where i'm taken to um, at the moment um uh, other questions i have uh if if i can unless you got, uh, Sorry, unless you guys I just, no. go, go on go on
2: i was i was just gonna say the second part of your question was around the meditation piece. yes yeah um uh for me, I've been on um, a number of yoga retreats and, and thinking meditation is not something that comes easy to me. Mm. Um, but I think, again, my experience, the difference that having someone's, someone else to give you kind of easeful quality of attention makes something magic happen in a way that sitting on your own just doesn't. Um, right. And again, until I experienced that... Um, I wouldn't, I didn't understand it. So actually I could probably, it sounds really strange, I could probably meditate with someone else giving me attention and far better than I could meditate on my own. I'm too easily distracted, my attention span isn't good. But mm. having someone sitting there kind of holding that for you and just being genuinely want you to do good thinking makes you do, makes you... um look after yourself better in a way, I can't describe it, it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's that kind of, think, like, it just makes a difference, I don't know how Meg might be able to put it <laughs> into words better than me, but there's just something really powerful about it, but it, and it's different, so obviously I've done medita- group meditations on yoga retreats, but, because everyone's doing their own thing, it's very different, but to have that person just kind of sat with you, mm. um, it, yeah, there's something about it, and that's why it's kind of one of the key parts of the thinking environment I
1: think I can, I can add to that Sarah I think uh, so I I have a one or two thinking partnerships a week so that means at least an hour with somebody else where we do half an hour each way sometimes it's more and and if I'm feeling agitated at all then I get great peace from being the thinking partner because my promise to them is I will give them my complete attention and my only thought is going to be, what are they, where are they going to go next in thinking? So I bring my own streams of attention back to their thinking. And that slays my breath down, so which is part of the meditative process. Uh, and that has a physiological change I can experience in my body through giving somebody that quality of attention, which means when it's my turn to think, I have. You know, I'm going to think better because, the, well, you know, we know some stuff around uh, about the brain and the limbic system that that I think the fight fight or flight response gets slowed down when we're meditating and so on, or uh, when somebody's giving us that quality of attention, and when we're giving that attention. So there's, there is, um, you know, it is it it is a paradoxical. I think you your comment Sarah about having the lived experience is so so true for this uh, and and I think in a in a world that loves science uh, or a particular type of science so much this is a phenomenological experience so there has to be experienced to be understood I think because we're so wired to accept other people's thinking uh, and uh, and to use that to inform our own thinking so we sort of all become very obedient
0: yeah, and actually, on that, there's a couple of pieces that you um, were mentioned a bit earlier, which I think just um, I just want to go back in my notes to. Um, just give me a moment, please. Hold the line, please, Paula.
1: Mm. i I've got to do some nice breathing. <laughs>
0: um, some stuff around. Uh, stuff that you both mentioned early on in in. Um, as we've been talking around how we're bombarded with other people's thinking that we that we get paid to think at work where that we don't value good thinking there's stuff there which definitely resonates with me um, in that yeah, there's, there's just a lot of a lot of stuff we're getting bombarded with in the in the regular news cycles now where there's just especially on social media depending on what your feeds are there's there's lots of information being thrown at us and one of the things i think i realized at least two years ago uh, was that all we're getting is information and what we're not getting is good thinking and it's a you can see the effect of that in kind of the social civil discourse space it's really affecting how people are able to or not to have good discourse with each other in that I perceive it that in the main it's too challenging for people because there's not quality level of thinking happening instead there's just uh, I don't know facts and data and you know information being thrown around those things are important but what we're not doing is taking. I don't believe I don't believe we're not taking the time to genuinely try and not analyse as such, but just think through what does this stuff mean? How do we think about this stuff well to enable us to get to a better next position? That's where I just got taken to.
2: Yeah. Um, I think for me when, when you were talking, it takes me to the the 10 components and obviously we'll, we can provide links. Um, for people to have a look at them mm. in a bit more detail um and it's about the balance of those components so in the scenario that you're talking about the components are out of balance or they are or totally missing so information is, is one of the components and that obviously exists in some of these discussions that are going on but it if it's too pervasive and it's um the other components aren't in play, it doesn't allow you to do good thinking. Mm. And actually, while there's lots of information about, there's a high level of emotion around this stuff. Mm. Um, and Nancy's found that we do really poor thinking when we are emotionally heightened. And, and But again, it's about balance, because emotions aren't bad, and, and being able yeah. to work through your emotions is, is really good for your thinking. Yeah. Um, but it's very hard to, um, to do good thinking when... Those are out of balance and emotion and and information are just two of the components that in your scenario are are kind of out of balance, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which makes, yeah, which makes it hard. And I think um, it's exchange thinking. So it's back to what Meg was saying. We're not
0: Mm.
2: we're not listening to what the other person is saying and being interested in what they're saying, we're listening to reply and yeah. just give our point of view. And actually, it's, it doesn't even really matter what's coming out of the other person's mouth because you know what you're going to say from the cues that you've taken from the words that they've mentioned. Right. Um, so ne- neither person is doing good thinking, and neither person is doing good listening. Or groups of people. Um
0: hmm. so, As I. No, it's just I was going to say that, that again. This is continues to be helpful, um, and that's that that's uh, it's helpful to know that the components of what the thinking environment stuff talks about help to um, understand what might be either missing or needed in order for the better thinking to take place. Is that is yeah. that a fair way to capture that?
2: Yeah, definitely. And Meg, the word that I was looking for earlier that Meg has just said is is the paradox of this stuff. So right. the components are. 10 simple components but the way they interact can be quite complex so it's simple and complex the the thinking environment is these constantly beautiful paradoxes um Mm. within it um which is another another reason that I love it um so yeah Mm. so in in the work that we do the number one thing that you can do is is be a thinking environment it's not something you do to people or Mm. you can train you don't train the components on how to be like how to do the components in your work it's something that you have to you have to do and it's hard but it's easy because it's another paradox Um, and for me actually I went on these courses because I thought I was going to get help with my facilitation Um, and actually it's been a kind of a very personal journey and it's been far more beneficial for all of those sorts of reasons on how I interact with people about politics and mm. um, day-to-day work and it's just had a far broader reach um, but when things certain things are mentioned politically then it is harder to be the ten components <laughs> um, but I'm mindful of that and uh, I do try and, and listen to some people about their politics
1: <laughs> but I, th- I think you know, building on something Sarah said there, I think if people are interested in in learning more about this, then I think something she said there is so important. Which is this is not something that you do to people, so I don't really see it as a modality, uh, because if you are if you are giving somebody wonderful attention, that's an amazing thing. Nobody needs to go on a training course to practice doing that. I mean, that that's an incredible thing. If you're giving somebody utter attention. With no agenda other than to to be there for them, you can catalyse something for them. Uh, and I I think I, I agree with Sarah. My own experience of the staff is is where the power of the work comes for me is that I have learned to think for myself too. And I think I, I had no idea I wasn't an independent thinker. Uh, and I had no idea how much sticky stuff was stuck to me that stopped me from th- for really thinking for myself. Because actually, you know, the component of feelings is, is it blocks us. And if we don't, you know, if you think about feelings, we, we feel them, don't we? They're physical things that we feel. And we're really good at diverting away from the feelings that create physical discomfort. Uh, because if you know, if you're if you're, I don't know, sad, it hurts. If you're grieving it's painful if you're resentful it knocks you up i mean these you know are we we don't like these we sort of they're programmed out of us but if we don't feel them then what they do is they are lodged in us and they 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 act in us and so i think that that so, there are so. I think I just want to reinforce, in a way, what you said there, Sarah. There's so many applications for this, but I think it is uh, it's so much about the self uh, that it is. Can you hold on a minute? That's going to... Noise interference locally, which has disappeared. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's, I, I mean, for me too, it's been the most incredible it's sort of transformational experience and I always think transformation makes me think bow, wham, bam (laughs) and it it isn't like that you know I mean there have been many, many moments of shift but it's it's a very gentle process but I think it does take courage Uh, and encouragement is another one of the ten components so it's the, the the encourage you know the French that's where courage comes from so it's the heart so it's it's holding the quality of attention sufficiently that another person has courage to go to their edges and then a bit further and for you to as the thinker to have that courage and for the mm. thinking partner to have that courage and uh you know it's so I've got one coach who's 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 sort of signed for me when they have finished their thinking is and now I really want to know what you think with a lovely twinkle in his eye and I always really want to tell him. <laughs> you know, so it's it's and if I did tell him, he'd be quite happy. Uh, uh, and uh, and occasionally I do, because one of the you know, one of the components of service that is is sometimes information does help people think for themselves. So if you have uh, something that you know that they don't, it might it might clear the way. or you you know you might you might be able to dismantle some denial. Uh, but that's been a long practice for me of thinking. Am I giving them information, or am I giving them my thinking? Because it feels so good to have someone, you know. So it's an ongoing it's an ongoing process. And it's five years in for me, and I'm still. I mean, I'm, a, I'm coming towards the end of my teaching journey, but I'm still at the beginning. I think of this being my muscle.
0: And, yeah, and I think, oh, go on, sir. Sorry,
2: I was just going to say really quick, as a as a short aside. I think one of the things I love about um, kind of delving into components a bit more is again our surface thinking about the words and then what they actually mean so for me I would say in the workplace you kind of get quite a lot of encouragement um, so your boss might say mm-hmm. um, that was a you get some feedback that says that was a really good report that you created and kind of hit within that is the encouragement that you recreate that report similarly next time because they're happy with your report But actually, um, that's using encouragement as a kind of subtle manipulation because they're pleased that you've created the report in the image of how they wanted the report to be created rather than you thinking about the best way to create a report and then creating a good report, if that makes sense. So um, there was lots of unlearning for me around words that I'd assumed I was potentially being encouraging. But when I looked at it, I was encouraging people to perform in the way that was either in the way that I wanted it, if in if when I was managing people, or towards the outcome that I thought was the outcome that they needed. Um, so again, they the components on the surface seem quite simple, and then when you go into them a bit more, you do a mm. lot more learning around them.
1: Mm-hmm. Where does that take you in your thinking, stick?
0: I, it's it's making me think. I, I need to go away and get this book and read it um, as a starting I mean, point. I mean, I have a
2: confession. I've never read the book. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Oh, <right>. Well, there <laughs> you go.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I can
2: because um, I I um, I did some light light reading around it, and then um, I can I can um, recommend Nancy's the audio version just because Nancy it's she's done it herself, and her voice and her intonation and everything is blissful but again I still didn't get to to the end of it Um, but yeah I think it is a really good place to start and I think if I'm right she's currently writing the next iteration so one of the things that I love about Nancy's work is that she's constantly looking at it poking at it testing it with um, Mm. herself and the people that are fully trained in it and isn't afraid to keep moving it forward um, so each of the, even in the year that I've done, some of the language has changed because the feedback of how people are using it out in the real world mm. has said that um, that's not quite worked anymore or people are taking the wrong things away from it. And they. so it's constantly evolving. And I think there's something really, to, to take one of Meg's words, but courageous about that, that it's not this, we've created a model yeah and that's it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh we don't care if it stopped working because that's our model and we've trademarked it and we're good to go. Um there's just there's constantly fresh thinking about it based on the experience of people using it. Um which is yeah which I like is a I, I like and I'm far more trusted as a practice for me.
0: Yeah, that's impressive. I like that.
2: So I guess the the, the practical point of that is be mindful because I think the first book um, has already moved on. I think there's more time to think and then there will be a third book, I think later this year, which will have moved on again. So, um,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, help, that, that's, a, that's a helpful qualifier around all of this. Um, um,
2: I did interrupt you. So yeah, where, where did that take your thinking?
0: um i am very intrigued about wanting to know more about the the practice of it and i i feel that in some way i do get to benefit from um those who have gone through like the training and or read the book or have a better understanding of it because when i have conversations i think like so when, when meg and i um meet up and we just sit down and have a chat I genuinely feel like I'm, I'm getting her attention I have that with others in um, who I talk to so people like Joe Wainwright and Phil Wilcox um, they definitely allow that for me and and so I'm I'm, I'm encouraged to know that <clears throat> that the experience I think I'm receiving is based on what they've understood by the philosophy and they are putting it into practice and So that's that. And then that helps me to just kind of further think about my own stuff. Right. Uh, How am I doing if I want to try and do this stuff? How do I think I'm doing this stuff? I'm quite a reflective person. So I do often take the time to think about my own practice in lots of ways. Um, And this conversation is just making me think it sounds like there's a lot more here to really explore. And I'm encouraged to go away and just keep doing that.
2: Yeah, and I, I think one of the things for me is that um, you'll be doing a lot of this stuff anyway so the ten components aren't some sort of high, again, some sort of highbrow statistically produced hmm. set of criteria components I tend to slip and call them the ten commandments all the time <laughs> um, um, you'll, as you read more you'll There's lots of stuff you'll be like, oh, that's kind of in the positive psychology work that I do, or that's come up in other um, approaches and things, because they are just... Nancy spent years observing people Mm. and groups in kind of corporate world and non-corporate world, and just said, kind of, these are the things, when I see good thinking going on and good outcomes coming, these are the kind of 10 things that seem to consistently be needed In kind of balance and as a system together. Um, And so, a lot of things people will already have kind of a natural propensity towards some of them and and not the others. And um, so, you, yeah, you'll, and like I was saying earlier on with um, the lady that I'd had coaching with, she embodied so much of this stuff already without ever having read the book. Right. Um, Yeah. And that was kind of her superpower around um, being an amazing boss and being amazing, amazing coach. It's Just that it was some of this stuff was really inherent to her. Um, so I don't think I don't think anyone would ever read it and um, be surprised by what's in there or see language they're not used to seeing.
0: Mm, um, right.
2: But the kind of being it bit is that adds the like next level of complexity because that takes some. Doing and some hard work um, and some thinking.
1: I think the other thought that comes to mind listening to Sarah there is uh, having just you know done my first teaching course of this is that is that there are you know Sarah was talking about Nancy's writing another book and it, there's the I mean I love I love this because it's not a, a, a dogmatic modality or model or framework, what she's mm. doing through this observation is actually uncovering, you know, the, the processes that uh, that are we, we already follow if we're really given amazing attention. And I always think if you go back, I don't know, say 200 years before we probably even had trains, let alone, you know, everything took a long time. You know, if you want off to go and see your nan, you'd probably have to go for a four-hour horse ride.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and in the evenings, there were no radio um, you know, there, there was obviously printed words, so people spent a lot of time reading books to each other and playing music. So, you know, I do wonder if we did have more time to connect our own thoughts. But but the findings of which there are many with the thinking environment, this is the simplicity versus, or, you know, with the complexity locked in it, this sort of this, this enormous inner landscape that we have as human beings. Uh, you know, what I was saying to the people I was teaching is that everything that we're going to discuss, you, you already know, actually. It's, so it, we, with, the, uh, with any of the, the questions that we might prompt the thinker to keep them on a roll of thinking, it's what we think happens all the time in the mind anyway. So, you know, if you're, you're walking along and you're mulling over something, and you go through a scenario and you think, well, that's not true, actually. it's you know, It probably won't happen like that. This is how it will go. This, The findings are something that we already know and maybe we've forgotten. Maybe it's very deep. Maybe there's no time to hear it. So it, it does, I think, I think I just want to reinforce what Sarah said there. It feels very familiar. And I remember when I went on the foundation course and there are 10 components in which you know and probably most people probably would look at sort of I don't know six seven of those and say do you know what I'm really I think I I feel familiar with this I think I do it really well and then mm. there may be others that uh, that you write about so I remember writing about equality in my practicum and sort of thinking I was quite selective about my quality in some respects so if people were Perhaps in a position of less power for me, I would really invite them as my equal. If people were in more power than me. I might try to challenge them more. So it 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 was really lovely to write down to really think to myself, what does it what does it mean to be um, to give another person equality? It means that I have to also see myself as equal to them. So I think yeah, I think it takes me back, Sarah, to your starting point that the it's a wonderful. It's, it is a beautiful practice, but it's also a way of being, and uh, and I think you can read the book and get so much from it, but it's an intellectual exploration, and I think it does need to be that lived experience.
2: Mm. And I, I think that this podcast will probably be a beautiful example of it being a non-linear non-intellectual kind of experiential thing Um, and I know I probably really struggled on um, a couple of my first courses um, just because it was so different to Mm. what I'd experienced before so the kind of standard here is an agenda and this is what we do in each time slot and maybe this is the outcome I hope you get from the session It can't, it doesn't get taught that way um, because part of it is your own independent thinking and your own independent thinking can't fit into someone else's agenda almost. Um, So I can remember thinking, I don't quite know whether we've covered today what I'm meant to, like I can't judge where I'm at and whether I'm meant to have learnt X, Y and Z today because that didn't get discussed. But as you, as again, as you go through the process and you experience this stuff, because it's so much about self, if, I, if I'm not thinking about, um, if I wasn't thinking in that way, so what have I learned about myself today, and how, and how does that all link back together, that was what was far more powerful than a teacher who was saying, by the end of the day, you'll know the 10 components off by heart, you'll know yeah. how to hold um, a 20 minute um, thinking part, like it it, it, um, it doesn't, that's not just how. That's just not how it happens. And I can imagine a lot of people might listen to this podcast and be like, "I don't get it. Where's the structure? Like, why have they not started at like the history and then the components? And
0: because right.
2: it, it it just isn't. It, you you learn it through how you experience it and what comes up for you and what you dive into next. And um, and that that will be different for some people. Gorgeous. It really
1: is beautiful
0: i love it um i've loved um having you both on the podcast uh to help think about this and help explore it further to uh, increase my own awareness of what this um allows for and, and the exploration of it uh, i am mindful that we uh there are other commitments that we have to go and commit ourselves to so i'm going to um i, I don't feel the need to have to wrap this up right i don't feel the need to have to kind of have some magic last words around what we can do next with this. Uh, I just really appreciate both your time and your thinking that you've brought to this and uh, and your um, articulation around the whole thing. Uh, I, I think that's just been really, really brilliant. And I just want to say thank you to you both.
1: Well, thank you, Sirk. I, I appreciate being invited to share this with Sarah. Sarah and I have had lots of lovely conversations and we'll continue to do so. It's been a, it's been a, I, I was quite agitated when I came and I've had my lovely um, sort of meditative approach of giving other people attention while they're thinking. Uh, so I feel all calm now. So that's lovely.
2: And uh, yeah, again, just appreciate uh, you asking us to have this conversation and already just from having it, it's sparked lots of new thinking for me around my practice Um which was unexpected. You think we always think on these things. You're just going to come and have a nice chat, but that's the way this works. <laughs> um, it's it's spun off, and I know that your thinking will continue, and my thinking will continue, and hopefully the people that listen to it. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll probably continue conversations online. I'm sure.
0: I hope so. I really do. Yeah, and I'm sure it will as well because we, the, the part of the group and the connections that we have, we uh, we allow that uh, ourselves for that as well. Um, I worded that badly we allow it for ourselves I think that's what I'm trying to say anyway um so I'm, I'm going to leave it there and say um, thank you very much folks and uh, thank you to our listeners for for listening and for your attention that you've given us for uh, the duration of this episode uh, any questions comments or other stuff that you do have you can find us all on Twitter uh, Meg is Meg. your Twitter handle please
1: it's at OD uppercase underscore optimist also if you search hashtag thinking environments you'll probably find me
0: super thank you and Sarah we can find you on twitter
2: i'm just at sarah boyd h which is sarah with an h b-o-y-d and then the letter h
0: fantastic thank you and uh mine is at sukpabial and if you do have anything that you want to share with us around this stuff or you have any questions you want to come back to with Megan and sarah then please do find us in those spaces Otherwise, hope you all well and that you have a, a good rest of your week. I'm probably going to publish this midweek as opposed to at the weekend as I normally do. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.